Whenever there's a problem, there's a room to provide a solution and deliver value. I think generally speaking, there's a lot of financing out there for carbon projects. And the three major challenges that I see are, one, some investors that are too focused on specific project types. Two, early stage projects that might have issues to access financing for feasibility studies. And three, bullish investors that don't necessarily understand the underlying risks for certain projects, which can include corresponding adjustments, other political risks, and also the actual price that you can sell offsets for, as well as the drivers for the voluntary carbon market. Welcome to Smarter Markets, a weekly podcast featuring the icons and entrepreneurs of technology, commodities and finance ranting on the inadequacies of our systems and riffing on ideas for how to solve them. Together, we examine the questions, are we facing a crisis of information or a crisis of trust? And will building smarter markets be the antidote? Welcome back to Financing the Energy Transition on Smarter Markets. I'm Dave Grilly, Chief Economist at Abex Technologies. Our guest today is Leah Wachorek, Vice President, Global Carbon at Macquarie. We'll be discussing what role banks like Macquarie play in scaling the carbon markets and in financing the energy transition. Hello, Leah. Welcome to Smarter Markets. It's good to get to talk with you again. For our listeners, uh, we met through the Weimar SG event, that's uh, the Women in Mining and Resources in Singapore, uh, held an event in September on carbon markets in the net zero future, where I was a moderator and you were a panelist. Really great discussion, and we have it on our website for anyone who wants to go back and watch the event, but it left me wishing that I had more time to talk with you. And one of the things I've wanted to talk with you about more is the role that banks like Macquarie are playing in financing the energy transition and carbon reduction projects, in particular, how banks are or you know are not acting as financial intermediaries between the carbon reduction project originators and the companies wanting to use carbon credits to offset some of their carbon emissions. Before we dive into that, though, I know that before you joined Macquarie, you worked for South Pole and led their business development team for Asia. And I'm curious about that perspective. You know, what kind of carbon projects are corporates looking to offtake carbon credits from? Yeah, thanks, David. And very nice to, to chat with you again today. I think it's not a secret that most corporates with net zero commitments prefer carbon credits from removal projects over avoidance or reduction projects. And while corporates should focus on removal projects at the net zero stage, most organizations are still far away from reaching net zero. And hence, reduction projects will remain an important part of the decarbonization strategy for years. Also, I think when, when looking into the overall supply of offsets, the reality is that most carbon credits out there are still from avoidance projects. And while we see many market participants trying to increase the share of removal projects, it is important to know that those projects can come with significant risks, especially when talking about nature-based solution removal projects that have a project lifespan of, you know, 20, 30 years. And we also should not forget that different project types can be relevant for different locations. When a new forest is established, for example, it takes much longer time to get a rich biodiversity. But 100 years of an old forest are very important because they are so rich in, in biodiversity. Mm. 
And can you talk a little more about that preference for carbon removal projects over carbon avoidance reduction projects? Are those carbon removal projects seen as higher quality credits? Yeah, that's a very good question. And I think at the moment we see so many discussions going on around the topic on what kind of carbon credits are actually considered high quality. I believe we should not determine what you know, what project is actually high quality purely based on the type of the project, but rather really look into how is the project design and how is it implemented in regards to additionality, baseline assessment, permanence assurance, community engagement, and a general, you know, co-benefits. And when doing your own due diligence, you'll likely find that the same project type can be designed and implemented very differently with regards to those attributes. So generally speaking, we recommend to our clients to do their own DD, either to do it in-house or to hire an independent party to support them with it. And obviously, needless to say that organizations should align themselves with best practices and stay abreast of the latest developments to really make sure that their strategy constantly involves as the market matures. And when we were speaking um, before at the, the Weimar event, you've told me that Macquarie's approach of providing equity directly into carbon reduction or removal projects is different from many others. And uh, I wanted to follow up with, like, why is that important? And how would you describe Macquarie's overall approach to financing carbon reduction projects? Yeah, well, climate change is high up on Macquarie's agenda, and we want to support the energy transition in the long term. Hence, we're investing long-term capital into the wider ecosystem, but also investing directly into individual projects. Now, to give you some concrete example, when, when talking about the, the wider ecosystem, we've recently announced an investment into EP Carbon, which you might have heard of before. They are a leading offset project consultancy based in the US. Now, when talking on, on a project level, Macquarie has been working with Sequest Capital and Partners to develop a sub-Saharan Africa cookstove program that is expected to result in abatement of approximately 220 million tons of carbon over the next 10 years, which are then jointly marketed by Macquarie and Sequest Capital. And the program will distribute cookstoves to around 37 million households and is providing meaningful social and health improvements in, in these communities. That sounds like a really interesting project. Um, but going back to the point of the, the wider ecosystem, how important do you see is building out the wider ecosystem and its basic market infrastructure? And in particular, what do you see as the most critical areas where that infrastructure is currently lacking? Yeah, well, as we all know, a solid infrastructure is crucial for a market to function. One of the main challenges that the voluntary carbon market faces in regards to developing into a more mature market is the lack of standardization and regulation. I think we've made some great progress over the past couple of months with launching carbon exchanges and rating agencies, and, and both can play a very crucial role. So carbon exchanges can play a major role in, in promoting price transparency and also reducing transaction costs by helping buyers and sellers to find each other in a much more efficient way than we have today. And meanwhile, rating agencies for carbon projects can also help buyers to make informed assessment 
on which carbon credit projects have been well designed and implemented and can be considered high quality offsets. However, due to the lack of standardization, we see many rating agencies coming up with very different kind of ratings for the same projects. Often this is also because they evaluate different parts of the project. However, this can be extremely confusing for less sophisticated buyer who might not have the sufficient in-house expertise to actually do a technical assessment. So we really see this as, as holding these two things around standardization and regulation holding back the market. Yeah, I could see why that'd be very frustrating where people get different ratings for the same project from different rating agencies. Exactly. And I'm curious, you know, when thinking about the types of projects that, you know, you're financing at Macquarie, is there a certain size or development stage of project that's more dependent on bank financing than others? Whenever there's a problem, there's a room to provide a solution and deliver value. I think generally speaking, there's a lot of financing out there for carbon projects. And the three major challenges that I see are, one, some investors that are too focused on specific project types. Two, early stage projects that might have issues to access financing for feasibility studies. And three, bullish investors that don't necessarily understand the underlying risks for certain projects which can include corresponding adjustments, other political risks, and also the actual price that you can sell offsets for, as well as the drivers for the voluntary carbon market. And as mentioned earlier, Macquarie is investing long-term capital into the wider ecosystem and into carbon projects directly. We structure all our investments individually and based on what the partner or project needs. Besides that, we also provide technical support for projects via our partners like EP Carbon or also in-house. Now, when making investment decisions, we typically take a top-down approach into portfolio management. We first assess projects on a portfolio basis and then assess capital allocation that suits our books across the capital structure. In terms of project-level decisions, I think we typically are project type agnostic and, you know, rather focus on the quality and integrity of the underlying projects. As mentioned earlier, different kind of project types can be impactful for different kind of jurisdictions. We also provide early stage financing for feasibility studies if the project idea passes our initial due diligence process. And we also do an extensive amount of due diligence in-house to really make sure that we understand the underlying project and really the, the associated risks with it, and that we also feel comfortable in, in managing those risks. And I'm curious, like if we if we take it from a, a carbon project developer's perspective, why does a why do you think a project originator comes to a bank like Macquarie to finance their project as opposed to trying to find a corporate partner or an investor? I think this really depends on, on what the developer is looking for. A corporate kind of investor, which is also an off-taker, might be only interested in a very specific project because they want to match the project type with their overall communication strategy, or they want to have the project as close as possible to their location, whereas we can be a bit more flexible. In general, we build long-term relationships with developers and can then also help the same developer to finance multiple projects across, you know, different jurisdictions, um, including different kind of project types. And I think also um, one of the key things why, why developers come to us is because we're quite flexible when it comes to the financing structures. 
we typically uh, really offer tailored solution based on on their needs. And what do you look for in a project when evaluating it? Well, every project comes with risks. And as I mentioned earlier, for us, it's really important that we feel comfortable with those risks and that we really feel like we, we understood the risks properly. In general, we look out for for the following four criteria, if, if, if I was to narrow it down. I think number one would really be where is the project based? You know, what are the jurisdictional risks? Is land ownership clearly defined? Which is obviously specifically important for nature-based solution projects where you would potentially acquire a concession. Then we would also look into who's developing the project and who's implementing the project on the ground. What is actually their track record? Have they done that before? Other things we take into considerations like project duration, how long is the payback period? And then another very important topic is also about what are the interactions with the local communities on the ground, where they consulted prior to project development, and what is the actual value add for them? That's obviously not just a snapshot of of, a few of the kind of factors, but these are really some of the first things that we would look at when making a decision whether we would want to proceed or not with the project. Hmm. So you have a good idea of the type of project you would like to find. But then I guess there's always also the question of, you know, what types of projects may actually be available. So I'm curious, you know, what challenges do you face in financing carbon projects? Yeah, I think for us, finding investable projects is really one of the key challenges. We screen multiple projects on a weekly basis, but unfortunately, only a very small amount of those projects actually passes our initial due diligence process. And one of the key things that we struggle with is really the limited commercial sophistication and understanding of risk, which is particularly noticeable in the explosion of new developers without track record and also amongst some of them coming back from from CDM days. And I think it's important also to highlight here that we need new market participants and we need the market to definitely grow. However, we really need to uh, ensure that it grows with integrity and that the quality of projects is only improving. So project developers that are too enthusiastic about what they can actually deliver can cause reputational consequences for the industry. So we really need to be careful about the selection with whom we actually want to partner. Yeah, and I mean, other, other challenges that, that we face is obviously long project duration can increase the overall risks and can come with a very long payback period. Again, I think specifically in regards to nature-based solution projects, that's a big topic. And then also, it's also about, you know, getting comfortable with all the uncertainties in regards to Article 6. When you're thinking into investing into into a project, one of the key questions that you'll find yourself asking is, will you actually be allowed to export the carbon credits of this project? And if not, that can significantly change the value of the the underlying asset. And then I guess like for every uh, large organization, it's also developing institutional learning in an emerging asset class. And when you described earlier your process for evaluating projects and she said, you know, screening new potential projects on a sound like a weekly basis. Now, that level of evaluation sounds like a very people and time intensive process. And I'm curious, how challenging is it to find people with the expertise in searching for and evaluating these opportunities? 
Yeah, it's quite challenging. Um, as we all know, the market grew a lot over the past 12 to 24 months. And there's only a very limited pool of people with karma expertise out there. I think we've been quite fortunate to have established a strong team that has expertise across the value chain of offsets. And we have really a mixed skill set in-house. You know, we have foresters that have, I think, developed projects over the past 10 years. We have environmental engineers, structured finance expert, commodity traders, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a, it's a very, um, very broad skill set that, that we're very fortunate to have uh, in-house. And when you look at your team and all the people working on it, I'm curious, what are some of the success stories in financing carbon reduction projects that you've had? I think really what has been one of the biggest success is not actually one, one specific project. I think for us as a team, um, which might also come back to, to the fact that we have such a mixed skill set in-house, is that we've been really able to finance very different kind of projects over the past two years. And, and when I say different kind of projects, um, I'm talking about, you know, household projects in least developed countries up to nature-based solution projects into developed countries. And I think this was really a big step for us to prove that we as an organization can get comfortable with different kinds of project types in very different jurisdictions. Hmm. And you know, you, you've talked a lot about how Macquarie is active throughout the the whole carbon offset value chain. And I wanted to move downstream on that a little bit. What types of investors and buyers of carbon credits do you work with? I guess more specifically, what type of organizations come to a bank like Macquarie for carbon credits as opposed to investing directly or buying them on the secondary market? Yeah, we mostly work with medium-sized to large companies that either have obligations in some of the compliance carbon markets and or that want access to the voluntary carbon market. And in fact, we offer multiple procurement structures to those kind of corporates ranging from spot forward options to direct project investment opportunities. We do see a lot of interest from organizations to get directly involved into projects. But to be honest, only a very small amount of those corporations actually have the in-house expertise to do so and are really willing to take on the early stage development risks. So often this is something where they also come to us and ask us, how, how can you help us to provide us with direct access? How do we get comfortable with the risks and so on? Yeah, and I would imagine you know you're you're balancing a lot of different projects against a lot of different investor needs, and so you're going to have some inventory to manage on that side. How important is being able to resell credits in a secondary market to your business? The secondary market plays an important role to promote price transparency and to provide organizations with access to carbon offsets from various project types and locations. Besides that, the secondary market offers a variety of different procurement strategies that can help corporates to secure long-term supply and hedge carbon prices. And as we all know, the voluntary carbon market is constantly evolving. New methodologies are being developed and others are becoming less relevant or even phased out. So this also influences buyers' decision on what offsets they buy. So for us, it's really important to constantly monitor the market and really ensure that we can act as nimbly as possible, which also means that we need to have a very balanced portfolio that meets the involving client requirements. And hence, we actively manage and optimize our inventory on, on a daily basis and, and really have a couple of people 
that are purely dealing with that. And now maybe stepping back from the the day-to-day practicalities, I'm curious, like when you look out over, say, the next five, 10 years, how do you see carbon finance developing? And what do you see as the big unanswered questions that are really going to influence how carbon finance develops? I think in general, we will see more and more participants coming into the market and and many that will want to provide finance. However, the challenge that we see is to match projects and investors as often the requirements are far off. And I think also specifically, you know, in regards to the whole risk discussion. And I believe how many investors will come into the market and how easy it will be for voluntary carbon projects to access finance will depend on a number of developments, including how much progress will we make in regards to standardization and regulation? How will domestic compliance markets develop? Will they cover X percentage of of the voluntary market in the near future? And if yes, then how will they interact? And also how will the whole discussion around Article 6 and corresponding adjustments involve and also influence the voluntary carbon market which is obviously a point that we were all hoping, I think, to get more clarity out of COP27. But I guess we'll need to wait for COP28 and in, in, in UAE next year to hopefully get a bit more clarity on that. Yeah, there's a there's a bit of a waiting for Godot aspect to some of these things. And where do you see some of the biggest opportunities in carbon finance and the carbon markets in coming years? As we all know, I think there's not only one solution to solve climate change, and we all need as many solutions as possible that can lower emissions, which also means that we need a vast variety of different project types. So I could not just go ahead and name a single type of opportunity, as I think it will really be a mix, as it should be. In general, I think for us, we want to stay as nimble as possible, and we're constantly looking into new upstream and downstream opportunities, and really we see where where we can value add. And I think for us, whenever we are entering a new market, we do, the, we do an extensive study on the jurisdiction and the environmental and social challenges on the ground, which typically helps us to identify what project type could be beneficial. And based on the result, we would then really narrow down the, the potential opportunities. But I think, you know, more broadly speaking, it's really exciting to say that at the moment, this space is attracting so much interest and attention And I think obviously in 2021, the the market has boomed quite a bit. This year, the market has been much slower. And I think we've been facing many more, you know, challenging questions around different kind of pain points and and weaknesses of the market. And obviously, there are also many different voices out there with, with many new people entering the market. But I think ultimately, that's really what we need. And I think... That's what's help or what will help us in in the long term to move the market to a more mature market. And I think ultimately that's what will bring a lot of new opportunities and also allows new investors to actually access that space. Thanks again to Leah Wachorek, Vice President Global Carbon at Macquarie. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Join us next week with our guest, Mark Freeman partner at Orion Industrial Ventures. We hope you'll join us. This episode has been brought to you in part by Base Carbon. The trading of carbon credits can help companies and the world meet ambitious goals for reducing greenhouse gas emissions. 
But how do we judge the quality of these projects? And how can we ensure that our investments are creating real value? At Base Carbon, we're focused on financing and facilitating the transition to net zero through trusted and transparent partners. It's time to focus on what's important. It's time to get serious on carbon. Learn more at basecarbon.com. That concludes this week's episode of Smarter Markets by Abax. For episode transcripts and additional episode information, including research, editorial and video content, please visit smartermarkets.media. Please help more people discover the podcast by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube or your favorite podcast platform. Smarter Markets is presented for informational and entertainment purposes only. The information presented on Smarter Markets should not be construed as investment advice. Always consult a licensed investment professional before making investment decisions. The views and opinions expressed on Smarter Markets are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect those of the show's hosts or producer. Smarter Markets, its hosts, guests, employees and producer, Abax Technologies, shall not be held liable for losses resulting from investment decisions based on informational viewpoints presented on Smarter Markets. Thank you for listening and please join us again next week.